Thank everybody for being here. Uh, uh, those that's, that's been able to come out, we, we deeply appreciate that. We really do. As Mamma makes her way to the pew, we're going to be in the book of Romans today. That's where the Lord's had me here the last few days in my reading. Uh, uh, if you've ever been a preacher or Sunday school teacher or, or a pastor or somebody that misses time in Scripture, uh, He'll put you in a place. Uh, that you feel like he needs to put you. You know, you think, well, they just go in there and just grab the Bible and just open stuff up and, and there they are. It just don't work that way. Uh, even if you're a song director, you just don't pick songs and go on. And, and if you're a Sunday school teacher, you just don't pick a, pick a book in the Bible. It, it's just, the Lord has got to lead you in a direction that, that he's got you going. Uh, and I'll use Ray. Ray, I don't mean to do this all the time, but you're, you're a perfect example. He's got Ray and the small prophets. And we've been there for a long time, but it has a purpose to tell us of what God's people were doing uh, and how God was using these small prophets to make these people understand and realize that, listen, you better straighten up. Uh, you got to turn from your wicked ways because I'm telling you, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what, you know, I wish you could speak up with a loud voice today and tell this world and nation and everybody today that, hey, that he would tell them exactly what he's going to do to them and people would hear him. Wouldn't that be marvelous to, to hear that voice from heaven say, listen, children, I'm going to destroy you as a nation. Or the land that you live on is going to be a, a land of famine. It's going to take over, and the uh, pestilence is going to take over everything that you have and devour and eat everything that you created. The grass that you walk on is going to be gone. There's not going to be nothing left. I need you to understand I can do that to your nation and your world today. I can do that. I wish you could yell down that loud voice. But you know something? As pastors and preachers and teachers and, and anybody else that loved the Lord, we've been shouting that for, for a long time. And they just ain't getting it. What is it going to take? Will it take that shout from heaven to make people understand and realize, listen, this is a real deal? I agree with you, Clarence. I don't think it would make a huge difference either. They just think it was some noise that because of two planets hitting each other up there in the universe, that's what made that loud bang. And because them planets hit each other, this creation wouldn't be created because of what was going on. Because the planets did collide and it did make that loud noise, they're going to pass it off as something else and still our Father in Heaven trying to give us a heads up. He was doing that for the, for the people... Uh, when, when the prophets were talking to him, he was giving them an opportunity and a chance. Listen, children, I love you a sight. And, and you're my creation. And, it, and, and, I, and it is killing me to see what you're doing. Don't you think it was killing him when he was seeing how they had turned their back on God and, and how they were not doing the things they're supposed to do? And Haggai teaches us that, that he was condemning them so bad because the temple had been destroyed and, and their job was to rebuild the temple. And years went by. And I ain't talking three or four years. I'm talking 70 years plus. And, and people just sat back on their morals and, and sat back on their rear ends and would not 
not do nothing, uh, had no yearning or, or desire to rebuild the temple. Uh, let me tell you something that uh, we talked about. Uh, if the churches burnt down today, uh, what would be the desire of uh, God's people uh, to get back and rebuild these temples uh, if they were destroyed? Uh, would it be a big yearning? Would it take a week? Would it take a month? Would it take a year? Would it take 10 years? Would it take 20 years? Would it take so long that people wouldn't have that desire no more? It'd be all gone away. And when we lose the yearning and desire to be with God's people and to be in a church where we can worship and be led and fed by the Holy Spirit, when we lose that desire, what's going to happen to the world? Today, the title of my message is Finding Your Spirit. And you think, well, Pastor, I've never lost it. Well, if you've never lost it, have you ever had it? See, I think because we as a church, and like I say, I don't mean this church, I mean we as a whole, we have lost the Spirit. Before Christ ascended into heaven, He told the disciples, that later would be known as the apostles, that He was going to send them a comforter. That comforter was the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, if you would. He sent them to us. Because that's who we put our trust and faith in to allow us to worship in a way that we need to be worshipped by our Christ in heaven. And our God in heaven, that's, what, that's the one that we are to depend on to get us to the point in our lives that we believe and understand in God in heaven. And that He did make that sacrifice. And He did send His Son to the cross. Because He loved this world so much. He loved it so much that He gave His Son for it. And He gave His Son for it because He had to use Him as, as, as an obstacle for the world could see that because of Him, and if you could believe in Him, you could be saved through the salvation that He had to give us. So he had to do that. But where's our spirit gone? A lot of people, when seems like when we attend church, have a great time when they go. But when they walk out the doors, it just ain't the same no more. Just, well, you going to church next Sunday? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Yet yeah, the answer to that is yes. Somewhere, go to church somewhere. It don't have to be this church or that church or that church over there. Go somewhere. Like I said, they're like filling stations and banks. There's one on every corner. Some people get offended because, well, I'm not going to go to church because that's my church up there. And I just don't like the way my church is doing up there, so I ain't going no more. <laughs> Gee, golly. But actually, that's how, that's how our families are. And yeah, don't and not everybody sit back and agree and, and, and can 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 convey what I'm talking about. It's happened in your own families. You've heard it happen before. Thinking, is the God you serve in that church the different than the one they're they're serving down there? If so, which one of us are serving the right God? Because they should be the same. It's the same spirit that we're worshiping. In your church, the same as somebody else's spirit in their church? It needs to be. It better be. Or somebody's doing something wrong. One of the two is wrong, aren't they, Sue? 
We're going to be in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. We're going to begin reading in the ninth verse, Brother Chris. I think I've already given you that. And we're going to be reading through verse 18. If you can and are able, please stand in reading in reverence of God's Word. I feel like we need to do that this morning. Uh, because he, he, he wants me to look at the Spirit and what it means to us and how it pertains to our lives. He says in the ninth verse in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, he says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit in Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit of life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by a spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are, the, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if, and if children, then heirs, Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also be glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time, now I want you to listen to this first church. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Father, thank you so much for this reading. Ah, oh, what a blessing it is. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. He tells us, if we're not in the flesh, we're in the Spirit. Now, as the Apostle Paul was writing to the church of Rome, he's trying to make them understand, listen, there's, there's two ways that, that, that we're going to be able to do this. If you're in the flesh, you're not going to be able to worship the Spirit. You have, got to, you have got to involve the Spirit into your life to be able to worship in the Spirit. If, if, if you don't feel the Spirit of God in your heart, how do you worship God? Now I know there's probably some ways that, and denominations that can sit by and, and don't ever feel the Holy Spirit and stuff and, and it's never infringed in their life. They may be able to do that. I'm not questioning Brother Ray that they can't. But what I'm telling you is simply this. If you're not being led or fed by the Holy Spirit in your worship time, especially in church, if you're not being fed by the Holy Spirit and while you're in church, you're in the wrong place or something's going wrong. That Whatever's going on in that church ain't what you need. If church, if, if the Spirit of God is not leading you, and is not feeding you, and is not equipping you with the things that you need in your life to believe in God in heaven, and to believe that he, he sent His Son to die on that cross for us, if the Spirit is not doing that for you, something is wrong. Something's wrong. And, 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 if, it's, and if it's something's wrong, we need to start examining ourselves. Because 
Without the Spirit, we cannot worship God in the way that He needs to be worshipped. Without the Spirit, we cannot worship God the way that He needs to be worshipped. Without the Spirit, we can't worship God the way He deserves to be worshipped. Well, Pastor, why does He need to be deserved to be worshipped? Because He gave His Son for, to die on a cross for us. That's why He deserves that. If we cannot get, give Him the recognition that He needs for what He did in this world for us sinners and paid the debt to allow us to be heirs and joint heirs to the kingdom of heaven, if we don't understand that and we can't realize that, and we cannot instill that into our lives, something is wrong. Yes. Amen. Something's wrong. I know that there are different ways to worship our Heavenly Father. And I know that. And some may do something a little different, and it may be different. We all don't worship alike. I pray that the Holy Spirit it's the same Holy Spirit that would ignite all of us, that it ignites the fire in our heart that, that we worship, that causes us to be able to worship Him. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of situations that don't have that Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit of God don't dwell in you, how can you worship Him? Is that what's happening in our church today, Mama? that the Holy Spirit is not infringing in their lives no more. And without the Holy Spirit, they don't have that yearning to go no more. Or without that Holy Spirit, they don't have the desire to teach our children the difference between right and wrong. See, the Holy Spirit should lead and guide us in everything that we do. And, but we live in a society today as, as parents... And as grandparents, I'm going to throw grandparents in there because I'm one of them also. I'm not a great-grandparent, but Tony, you are, so I'm going to throw great-grandparents in there. Are we condoning the sin of our children to be their old buddy, friend? We don't discipline our children. And children, if you're back there in the back of the church, you need to listen to this. Charlie, open your ears, brother. If you're not being disciplined for the meanness and the sins that you do in this world, something is going wrong. If you're not convicted by the sins of this world in your life, and I don't mean just a little bit of, well, I should have done that. No, no, no. No, that's not the answer. You need to be convicted of doing wrong and sinful things in your life. And if you're not being convicted by it, if you're not doing things, if you're doing things against Christ and against God in heaven that He specifically calls out in the Scriptures, if you're doing that in your life and it don't bother you and it don't bother your parents for you doing that and it don't bother your grandparents for you doing that, if that's not convicting you, something's wrong. Yeah. Something's wrong. And I ain't nobody loves my grandkids no more than I do. I'll put my love up against them or anybody in here. It'll probably be equal with everybody's, but I'll still put it up there. And as much as I love them, I could never condone a sinful way of life. I'd still love them, Gene. I would. I love my sight. But I remind them, it may push them away. Don't do that, Keith. You're going to push them away. It may do it. But they're going to know why they fall under that conviction. Yeah. Because church, I'm telling you, honey, listen, if they're not being convicted by it, 
What's, what's, what's the purpose? What, what, what's the reason for this? If, if, if we're not being convicted by nothing in this world, what's the purpose of this? People use it as basic instructions to get to heaven before we leave this earth. But if it's not, if they're not involving this in their life and the conviction's not falling on them, what good is it? If we don't dwell in the Spirit, we can't worship in the Spirit. And the 10th verse said, But if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Now, he didn't, I didn't say you don't sin because Christ is in you. <laughs> I don't say that because I'd be, no, we fall short of His glory every day. We all sin and fall short of that. We do it, I do it, my mom does it, everybody does it. All God's little children does it. That ain't what I said. I said because if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Praise God. Do you hear that, church? The Spirit of life is because of righteousness. That's what we're promised. The Apostle Paul realized that when he was writing this letter to the, book of, to the church of Rome. He realized that. And because he knew it and understood it and realized it, he was passing it along to those that needed to know. He said, because of the Spirit of Him that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead, I want you to listen to this, because this applies to us, believe it or not. We might not have been around when, 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 when Paul wrote this, but this applies to us. He says, but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. In other words, if you've got the Holy Spirit in you and you believe in Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, because that Spirit's in you, one day your body's going to go back to from whence it came and our spirit is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to be in the presence of the Lord. Ain't this what this is all about? Ain't this why we do this? Now, grant you, it makes us all better people because we're, we believe in God and we go to church and we try to do good and, and we don't push little old women down and, and we don't go rob grocery stores or anything like that. You don't see me carrying a TV out of, the, out of Walmart when things go bad in our community. So I, I can't carry them big TVs no more, Brother Clarence. Damn little idiots, I could carry one of them. But I don't mean I would do that. And you know why they do that? Do you know why you see them people doing that on their TVs and in our nation today? You know why, Mamma, you see that? Because they don't know Christ. And they don't know what they're doing is a sin. And they don't care what they're doing is a sin. They have no worries in the world because most of them has not been taught who God in heaven was. They don't even know that He was the creator of this world and He did that in seven days. They don't know that. So they have no inkling or understanding of what's going on when they're walking out that door with that TV on their shoulder. I don't care, Sue. The Spirit's not in them. Finding your Spirit. Now grant you, everybody in this church today is most likely God's people and God's children and we love the Lord and we, and we try to live by the Holy Spirit every single day of our life. But every once in a while, we put them on the end table. I've got to go stubborn. Well, you hightail out that door and what did you forget? The Holy Spirit. You've left Him on the end table. 
Somebody pulls out in front of you. Down there at the crossroads of so and so and so and so. You light them up, Brother D. Well, that cotton picker, what, what makes him think he's got the right to be pulling out in front of me? The one ingredient that you needed at that particular time was sitting on the end table. Amen. The one that would brought you under conviction when that old fellow pulled out in front of you, you instead of saying what you said or thinking what you was thinking, and I thought prayer this, I know, I've got an end table too. But what should have happened is says, Lord, bless them for what they did. Forgive them for pulling out in front of me. Thank you for looking out after them because something bad could have happened right here. But instead, the Holy Spirit was on that end table getting ready to watch the episode of Andy Griffith Show with you. The same Spirit that raised Christ up from the dead will ascend us into heaven will be there in our everyday walk of life when things do go bad, when we lose a loved one. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important. I, I question you this morning uh, to, to, to find your spirit, finding your spirit. When we take for granted because we love the Lord and we go to church and we're Christians, that we all know where our Holy Spirit is, but I beg to differ Every one of us, from four to, I'm going to go 100, because I don't know how old some of us people are in here. Somewhere along the way, we're going to lay down our spirit one day. And we're not going to know where it is. He says, therefore, brethren, that's you all, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. But if we live after the flesh... We're going to die. What Scripture just got through saying, we're going to die. If we live after the flesh, we're going to die. And they don't mean mortally. They mean spiritually. And let me tell you something. We're all going to die and leave this world, whether you like it or not. One of these days, and I don't know when it's going to be, God's going to call me home just like He called Brother Donnie home. It may or may not be early. I may live to be 100. I hope not. Or it might be as he took my dad home at the age of 70. I don't know. But be therefore ready to go when he calls your number. Number 4,965,599,000,000. That's my number. It's up. If you're ready, he could be number one for all I care. But if you're living in the flesh and you're not living in the Spirit, you're not ready. Well, how do you do that, Pastor? We'll start with, you've got to believe and confess and repent. Now, that's the three things that we need to know. And then we need to understand what grace, salvation, and mercy is all about. We need to know how important them three things are into your life because if you incorporate them three things into your life, You're going to have the Holy Spirit right there in the old back pocket. He's going to be with you everywhere you go. Now, now back when my dad was growing up, when I was growing up, and everyone of you was growing up, we all carried our billfolds in our back pocket. Who all carries their billfolds? Not your women. The men. How many men in here carries their billfolds in our back pocket? At one time or other. 
Yeah, you're, you're one of the younger generations. That's what we done. Listen, you go somewhere, you get your billfold, then you get your wife. That's the way it is. Because one ain't no good without the other. <laughs> oh, fella, I promise you, because you ain't got your billfold with you, you might as well stay at the house. But our kids, they lay their billfolds in the dash of their vehicle. They do? Or they lay it on their boats. I seen my, my son uh, Friday had his billfold laid on his boat. I'm sitting there thinking, what? What do you do that for? But that's what that generation does. On the boat. Hey, it's all right. It ain't no different leaving it on the, on, on, on the console of the car or vehicle. That's, that's where they leave it all the time. They pick up their phones and take it with them more today. They do the billfold. Can I get an amen from somebody? There you go. Wouldn't it be nice if that phone was the Holy Spirit? I just now thought of it. The Lord just now showed me that. Wouldn't it be nice if our telephones was the Holy Spirit? Oh, I'd be in trouble right now, Mama. I've got the Holy Spirit with me. Was the Holy Spirit convicting you, Mama? Was that what it was? The point I'm making is this. It should not only impress us, but it should convict us enough that we should feel guilty when we go anywhere without the Holy Spirit. If you leave your phone at the house, you think the world's come to an end. Oh, God. I left my phone home. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I can't find my way home. It ain't a mile from the house when they realize they've left it. What am I going to do? I can't find my way home. Somebody please call me. Oh, no. That ain't going to work. I ain't got my phone with me. How can somebody call me? We're all like that. And I am too. I've got halfway coming down this way and realize oh, I've left my phone at the house. And they think, fool you on it. <laughs> Somebody needs me, I'll get them, I'll get back to the house. If we lived after the flesh and incorporated our Holy Spirit in our lives the way we do some things in our life, wouldn't this be so good? Now today it's just the telephone. The next generation has no idea what it's going to be. It may be a, a walker built for two. You never know. That you'll never leave home without it. You'll see these vehicles, and they're all going to be electric cars, because they're going to be no gasoline cars. There. So don't even think you're going to put any gas in the vehicle. Now let me, tell you, let me remind you of something. My, my, was it my wife? Maybe remind me of this the other day. We went to Bass Pro Shops, and one of these areas that you went and plugged up your electric cars and got them charged up to get you further up the road. You know, I don't stop to think about that, but you know what it cost you to charge up your vehicle? Why am I want to get an electric car when i got to pay for electricity? I might as well just go ahead and pay for gas at this outside. I can only imagine what electric costs these days. If gas costs what it is, what does anybody have an electric car in here? Can anybody have an art? They know, but praise you, Lord. God bless you. I wonder how much a gallon of electricity costs today. I bet it's more diesel. I bet it's more diesel. If we as God's children 
could incorporate our spirit into our everyday walk of life, we'd be a happier people. Because in the 14th verse it says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. If we are led by the Spirit, now I know you women don't like me calling sons, but that's just, this is a group thing, okay? Sort of like when they say him, it's him and her. <laughs> yeah. And it's like when finances, what's mine is Kathy's, what's Kathy's hers, you know how it works. For as many of us are led by the Spirit of God, we are the sons of God. We are His children. We're His heirs and His joint heirs. Do you understand the importance of that, of that, of that verse in the book of Romans in the 8th chapter of the 14th verse? Because if we're led by the Spirit of God, praise be unto children, we are His sons. And He tells us that. He reminds us of that. He ensures us. Ensures us of that. It says this. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. There ain't no fear in God no more in this world. The reverence of God is, is, is used, it's just out the window. I mean, it's just, when you was driving down the road, somebody rolled down the window and everybody went out of it. There's no fear for God no more. But you, you have received the spirit of, of, of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It says the spirit itself bareth witness with our spirit. We coincide with the spirit of God. Our spirit, you know, we've got a spirit too, you know. We not may not, not be able to see it. Now, now some people may call it a shadow. I don't know. But we have a spirit, and it's got to coincide with the spirit of God. And it's also got to coincide with the spirit of people that you worship with, and the people you work with, and the people you have any dealings with. Because if our spirits don't conjure with each other, we're not going to agree with each other. And if the children, then heirs, are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also glorify together. Listen, I know it's an aggravation to get up and go to church. And, you know, and you just say, oh, God, I'm going to go to church. That makes me so mad and I hear people say that like a smack on the mouth. You don't have to do nothing. So instead of saying, i got to go to church Sunday morning, they just got to where they don't go no more. So they fixed that problem. And ain't it awful to know that we're not being able to glorify God together? Not saying for those that don't go is not glorifying God in some way. I'm not saying that, but we're not being able to do it together. And you know, that's got to be pretty important for us to be heirs of God and join heirs. You know, when my mom and dad lived here, they didn't accumulate very little in their lives. They worked every day of their life just to pay their bills. That's just the way it was. Come from a poor family. My dad was poor. He could barely find a job to pay us. It wasn't because he wasn't no good. It was because they wouldn't have nothing to get. But they told me one day who Jesus was. And he took me to church one day. And because they did that as a young child, he had invested in me exactly who Christ was and God in heaven was. 
told me what God done and what, what He had accomplished in this world. He told me, he taught me that He created this world. Did I understand it, Ray? No, not really. I did. I was a dumb, young, 12-year-old boy. I didn't know, but I'll tell you this. It laid the foundation for a church to be built on one day. Now, it's sort of like one of them small prophet things, Ray. It took a while, <laughs> but it happened. I like this right here. I think this is Paul getting to the countryside of him. For I reckon. Now people from North are going to look at you like you like, what did he say? For I reckon. In other words, I understand that the sufferings of this present time, and we are going through some pretty bad suffering right now, and not just in the world. I'm talking about in our everyday walk of life. Seems things are harder today than seem like they used to be. But they're not worthy to be compared with the glory that we shall be revealed to us when we all get to heaven. When we all see Jesus. I'll sing and shout the victory. For well, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed to us one day. What does that mean, Pastor, exactly? And I know everybody in here knows it. Maybe two or three may not realize it, so I'm going to try to explain it to you. No matter what we're going through on this earth, how bad things get, We are investing in our future. We are, Gene. It may not look like a bank account, but it's going to be an account when we get in heaven. Because we're going to stand before Him one day. It's death and then judgment. All, all of us is going to stand before Him on judgment day. Now your past sins after you've been saved are not going to be brought up. But since you retain the salvation and believe in Christ, you may have to be accountable for some of them along the way. Are you ready to stand before Him on, on Judgment Day? I believe we are. Most of us in here, if not all of us are. If not, you better make things right. Get them right. Make things ready because if not, that's going to be a pretty bad day for you when you get in heaven. And you said, well, Pastor, I ain't sure about this, you know, heaven and the other place stuff. I just ain't, I just ain't sure about it. Well, Scripture tells us that it was one of his angels that he condemned to hell. That's why he's so knowledgeable of the Scriptures. More so than us, Brother Ronnie. Because he was one of his angels. Yeah. Sort of like when Gabamiel schooled Saul of Tarsus. No doubt in the, in, in the five books of Moses, as he was schooled in that, But when he became the Apostle Paul, and when Christ struck him down on that road to Damascus, 
And all he's seen was a light. That's all he needed to see. But when he struck him and he made him blind, and Christ told Ananias to go pay him a visit, which I'd hate to have been Ananias during that time, because I'd tell you, Saul of Tarsus was a pretty bad fellow, let me tell you. He wasn't just your neighbor that you're going to go over and take him a, a bowl of soup to when they're sick. No, he was a bad man. Yeah. But he'd been converted. See, not only was Saul of Tarsus blinded when he hit the ground, he was saved by the marvelous grace. I believe that with all my heart. I believe it. Isn't it amazing how God grabs somebody and uses them? Uses them. The people that, that Saul persecuted throughout his life, the life that he lived, that was his goal in life, to persecute those that was living a life outside of what he believed. And let me tell you something, it was pretty bad in those days. I can about only imagine getting thrown in jail cells and never getting no water, no food, no nothing. And you just left there in a dungeon. Things weren't too good. And when you had a man going around like a Saul of Tarsus persecuting you and your family and all that you believed in because this man named Jesus had put a belief in somebody's heart one day and you was believing in him because Saul was persecuting you little would you believe that he would have chose him to do his work and what was he told Ananias I'm paraphrasing he said he'd suffer many things in his name in other words for what he had done to God's children he was going to suffer for but he was going to stay the course he would never sway from his belief that there was a Christ Jesus and there is a better way to stand if we would. Today, there's a better way. If you believe that, there's a better way. If you had the Spirit of Christ in you today, you found a better way. If not, you're lost like a ball in high weeds. I used to play golf all the time, and I tell you, I had more fun finding golf balls than I did playing. Because I stayed most of the time in the woods or over on the field somewhere because I did. They, they cut that grass short right down the middle. I don't know why they do that. You know, Ronnie, they ought to make golf courses. The middle should be just full of trees and weeds and everything. And on each side of Movella, it ought to be as pretty as a little old artificial carpet. Because well, that's where my balls are going. Why do you want to make that down the middle so pretty? Well, that ain't where my ball goes. Why do you do that, Dane? So I spent most of my time in the woods searching for balls. And I tell you, I've accumulated quite a few golf balls. And I've got to where I was having more fun doing that. I was playing golf. <laughs> Took me back to my Easter egg hunting days, my mouth, you know what I mean. Oh, so let me tell you, it was fun. But I was lost like a ball in high weeds. And until... The Holy Spirit really got a hold of me. Really got a hold of me. Not convicted me. Really got a hold of me. I didn't understand what this is all about. But I do now. Just as I